Welcome back to Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Team Corker, where we feature remarkable people who are doing remarkable things in the world. And Matt and I are tag teaming this together and so excited to bring on someone who we are, I think, honored to call a friend, but the world knows as Bum-ba-da-dum, Tracy Hutton. <laughs> when was thank, the last time thank you with the Bum-ba-da-dum? Uh, never. I'll take it again. I love it. Where are you in this world right now? You are speaking to me in Whistler, British Columbia, my hometown. Your hometown? I'm looking out. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in my little office in Function Junction, looking out over the train tracks at trees and sun and snow. Beautiful, yeah. crisp, sunny day here. It's definitely winter in the mountains. Now, how are you spending your days these days, Trace? Are you hitting up the slopes? What's the, what do you normally do day to day? Yeah, you know me, just ski all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually, it's actually quite painful to live in this town and not to be able to take advantage of it so much. So um, these days, how I spend my day mostly um, coaching, facilitating, traveling to do both of those things, doing them from the comfort of my office. Um, but I am, I'm on a mission. I'm working really hard to spread the word, the strengths revolution. So I do spend most of my days hard at that. Um, and I take weekends off, though. I definitely ski a lot on the weekends. Yoga is still a big part of my life. So thankfully, my new little office here in Function is a five minute walk to the yoga studio. So I have built into my schedule every day, 12 to one thirty is yoga time. And I hit the, I hit the midday class over there. That's amazing. I was um, wondering how much of the time, how much of your time you were spending on the road. Um, for our listeners, we actually met Tracy when we were all working together at Lululemon and, uh, it's all come full circle. Now we get to to jam as you're um, primarily working with Marcus Buckingham. Is that fair? Yeah, that's right. I'm the vice president of coaching for the Marcus Buckingham company. Um, some of the listeners may know Marcus from such hits as First Break All the Rules <laughs> and Now Discover Your Strengths. So he is known as the, sort of the father of the strengths revolution, um, which basically is the premise that one should leverage one's strengths and manage weaknesses for uh, a life of contribution and glee and fulfillment. So I've worked for Marcus since uh, 2008. I had a couple of little stints in there of working for other organizations, Lululemon Athletica being one of them, where I came in and supported bringing a strengths focus to leadership development for a few years, uh, a few years back. And now I work full time for him leading his coach faculty. So I work with 25 gifted coaches and facilitators who are all over the place um, and who are the basically the front line for bringing Marcus's message to organizations and individuals. So cool. Marcus is so lucky to have you. Uh, I'm sure you feel the same way about him. Um, in the name of strengths, though, I know we talk about it a lot at work. And what I love about you is that it's there, you know, a beautiful correlation to talk about strengths in your life as well. And that's what I want to dig into, because I want to know the strengths of Hutton beyond, beyond your office. Um, one of the first <laughs> things that came to mind are like, tell me your, your travel hacks. Tell me how do you find your strengths and the goodness when you're on the road like you are? Well, you know... 
That's a, I like that question. I, you know, thinking like, how do I use my strengths when I'm on the road? Even though there's Wi-Fi and airplanes, I always pretend there isn't. <laughs> and when I have a five hour or longer flight, I usually bring two books with me and I set the goal of reading the whole thing by the time I land. I am an absolute junkie. Even it, You may think it, it's work for me as a, it, they really bleed together. My absorption and uh, need for input and ideas is like insatiable. I, I just, there's just stacks of books around me right now. I'm always looking for new ideas and fresh insights. So for me traveling, um, because I'm by myself, because I have all that time on planes alone, I use it to consume. <laughs> I use it to consume ideas um, and doing research and understanding complex ideas is a strength of mine for sure. And then being able to take whatever is fresh and new and parlay that into something that I can offer to a client or to a room of people in the next moment. I love doing that. So I also um, have, have become a little bit spoiled in terms of how I travel and how I, uh, I used to, because I live in Whistler and so my main airport is YVR, Vancouver, um, I used to get up in the middle of the night to get 6 a.m. flights. I used to get up at 2 and drive the two hours to the city. And now I've, uh, I've really put myself in, I've, I've stopped doing that. I'd much rather go the night before have a cushy room at the Fairmont at the airport <laughs> and uh, sleep in till 3.30 uh, to get that 6, that 6 a.m. flight. So um, I like, despite the fact that people who may know me or know how I usually roll, I'm a, I'm a very agile sort of in the moment and improvising sort of, uh, individual, but I do not like to be rushed when it comes to travel. So I like to arrive with a ton of time, always. I'm always three hours at the airport sometimes too, um, if it's, it's a domestic, but I, I just guard that time because I never like to feel the stress of not being able to get to something on time. I uh, love this. I'm giggling to myself over here because I was just on a plane to Edmonton and uh, I was maybe 45 minutes early. And so the idea of three hours just seems <laughs> outrageous to me. <laughs> now, okay. Tell For most me, people, I they're know like Hutton. Do it. You know, you don't need that much time. I'm like, I like that much time. That's it. That's all. Now, what I really want to know, though, is are you a paperback reader or are you a like audiobook Kindle reader? Oh, dude, no way. Paperback all the way. <laughs> I, when I read, I, have, I read with a pencil and I write, I scribble in on the pages, I fold pages, I have all my different ways of folding pages for a good idea, two good ideas, fantastic ideas. Um, so the books are just destroyed. Um, so they're, they're dog-eared, they're written in, they're underlined. I, I haven't quite got to the point of highlighting. I think highlighters are weird things that are invented. I, I like a pencil, always a pencil. So if something isn't such a good idea, I can erase it. But once it's highlighted, man, the book is done. It's ruined. I hate highlighted books. <laughs> I don't. We didn't talk about your commitment issues. With you. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking because uh, you like to sharpen your own pencils, don't you? You're I have um, It's true. I like a mechanical <laughs> pencil, but I, you, you, you caught me out there. I am a little known facts about Tracy Hutton. I like. I like to sharpen my own pencils with my <laughs> sharpen with my electric sharpener. Oh, oh I brought it. Oh, yeah, I have electric sharpeners. Oh, yeah, three of them <laughs> all over the place. This is amazing. <laughs> Do you give your books away? 
um, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And then I usually regret it because I know that there's something in the margins, but I, I like, that's a really, it's, for me, it's always a push pull sort of thing. Like, oh man, you really want you to have this. And yet I kind of want you to give it back, but I know I'm never going to see it again. So when I really love a book, what I often do is buy several. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I have four copies of The Great Work of Your Life by Stephen Cope. One uh. of them has been written, read three times by me. I, know, I rarely reread a book. This one I've read several times. It's written in so much, but I have others like right beside it just in case someone pops in. I can give them one. Uh, it's the book, besides um, First Brick All the Rules or Standout, um, that I've given to more people than I can think of is The Great Work of Your Life. Yeah. So what were the two books that you finished on your last flight? Um, the Power of Meaning, which is actually an old idea, but I like how she brought it back as the fact that people in the, this is so interesting, in the happiness work of the whole world, that people want to be happy, people want to be happy, people want to be happy. And you've seen, and I have 50 books behind me on happiness and how to have happiness. And this woman posits, and I, I agree with her, um, that there's different types of happiness. And there's the idea of a, a hedonistic happiness, like f be fulfilled in this moment now, eat the chocolate, uh, drink the wine. Um, and then there's this other idea of the concept of eudaimonia, which is the word, uh, you know, a daemon is like, a, like an entity that is like your spirit that walks with you and supports your deep fulfillment, sort of like a guide with you, a daemon. Um, and eudaimonia is this deep fulfilling happiness that has to do with fulfilling one's potential. And now, now you're talking my language. I really feel like in the pursuit of meaning, in the pursuit of dharma or putting our, our strengths in service of other people, that it isn't always a happy, yeah, yeah, good times, good feeling. It, there can be struggle and obstacle and pain in doing that. And a lot of people can attack you even, and you can be unpopular in your pursuit of mission. And yet, when, there's, when one is so connected to one's meaning or the meaning of why one is doing something, the likelihood of achieving that is, is far greater. And then the fulfillment from it is much greater than the sort of um, light emotions of ha feeling happy in this moment. So she sort of really takes on the happiness movement and says, this is actually leading to more depression. People feel like they have to be happy all the time. You don't. There's, there's in sadness connected to feelings of loss and what didn't occur and what you missed. Um, and, and yet when one can connect that back to this is a lifelong pursuit of one's meaning, of course, there will be ups and downs. And in the end, uh, it's worth it. Wow. What's the second book? Uh, Sean Acor, mm. Big Potential. Have you seen that? I, um, <laughs> how transforming the pursuit of success raises our achievement, happiness, and well-being. I'm kind of a one-trick pony. I always talk about the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be about well-being, deep happiness, achievement, fulfillment, purpose, strengths. Um, he is all in that world. What, what I love about Sean's writing is he's a great storyteller. Um, and right on the cover of this book is an acorn, which is like my spirit uh, oh. nut. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new question I like it your spirit nut <laughs> I do like walnuts because they're shaped like the brain um, I don't know if an acorn is a nut I think only squirrels eat them but um, 
what I love about an acorn is it speaks to, this is a true belief that I have, is um, that people, I don't believe in it, and Stephen Cope agrees with me, or maybe um, <laughs> Krishna, maybe it's, uh, yeah, maybe it's Krishna who agrees with me, that um, mm -hmm. you can't be anything you want to be. And it's really hard. You remember that, Matt, in the book? He yeah. says you can't be anything you want to be. I find it so moving. And really what, what he's saying is um, you, can, you were given gifts. You were given a certain way of being in the world at birth. You came here for a reason, something to fulfill while you're here. And like an acorn is going to grow into an oak tree. And there are plenty of acorns out there who want to be rose bushes because they see how popular rose bushes are. And they think, I'll just go to rose bush school and I'll study my heart out in rose bushery. I'll do a master's in rose bush. <laughs> and what do they become? They become a, an oak tree, a very unsatisfied, disconnected, depressed oak tree. And if they actually had just, you know, absorbed the brilliance of their natural way of being in the world and expressed that and amplified that and stood in that proudly, then who, who could they be? They would be a proud, mighty, beautiful oak that people admire versus I always think of a, like the oak tree that sort of all huddles in the corner, <laughs> branches not quite fully developed and like looking longingly at the rose bushes underneath it, wishing it could be something that it's not. So. Mm. I, I do believe in transformation. I do believe in neuroplasticity. I do believe people can shift and change and become more of something. But I also believe that there's something about honoring what it is that we were given and expressing that for others versus mm -hmm. trying to be something that we're not because someone told us that we should be or that would be a better life for us. Gosh, Hutton, you just get to the heart of the matter. And I want to know things like, do you do checked bags or carry on? But it doesn't matter in the world of travel <laughs> as much as I want to know. When I, you, oh, I was going to say, I check my bags because I like my yoga mat and it takes up too much space in the carry on. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Enough said. Um, is there anything else that you always travel with? Yeah, I have a little Ganesh figure. Um, Ganesha Ganesha, the remover of obstacles. I have plenty of Ganeshas. Actually, I have a ring with Ganesh, and he, I've worn it for 20 years. Um, hope I'll never lose it. I'm attached to my Ganesh ring, but I also <laughs> carry a little Ganesh who's reading a book, and I carry that everywhere. And any talk I give, any time I'm coaching, I bring that back Ganesh to support me in removing obstacles for sure. I always wear, I bring earplugs and an eye mask. <laughs> Beautiful. from Ganesh to earplugs there you go life with Hutton um yeah. I want I want to know though going back to what you were talking about in you know fulfilling one's deepest desires how how has this evolved for you or how have you been able to craft your life I mean, obviously you're a coach of this work and how do you sort of internalize and then live it yourself? You know, it make, you're making me think of a moment on, a, on the banks of the Ganges River in Rishikesh, India. I had just finished my yoga teacher training and I was sitting on the beach with my friend Sitska Vorderman. She's the woman I did my teacher training with. And I said, wow, like, we're done teacher training and I thought I wanted to be a yoga teacher, but I don't, <laughs> man, 
it was a long way to come and a lot of time to figure out that. Um, and she's like, what's going on over there, essentially? Or, or more like, what's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I've just spent, like, I'm, I was 39 years old. I said, I've spent, like, almost 20 years of my life trying to figure out what to do with my life. I've had amazing opportunities. I've, I've been involved with incredible organizations. I, I've, I'm a coach and I do all this work, but I still don't really know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And I thought I would have figured it out by now. But the only thing that I have figured out is how to support other people and how to figure it out. Mm. I, I feel like what I, I, I don't know what my purpose is, but I can sure tell you what your purpose is or <laughs> help you discover what your purpose is. And she just sort of looked at me blankly for a moment. She said, well, why don't you do that? <laughs> why, did I, why didn't you do that? Help people figure out their purpose. I mean, mm. I could have smacked her and then I also wanted to kiss her because it was so obvious. It had been right in front of me the whole time that my purpose is to support others in discovering their purpose. Mm. And I had just been in my own study and my own desire, my own seeking for it my deep desire to know how to be the biggest contribution possible on this planet with the time I have here that I had just studied it and studied it and studied it from all angles and every direction. And I've, and now I just know how to do it and to support others to do it. And that's what I'm here to do. And so when you, um, when you first started helping people, you know, discover their purpose, what were some of the roadblocks or obstacles that people, um, came up against and is that any different from the people that you coach now no man that was a good question no it's the same all of the same over and over is um disconnected from uniqueness mm-hmm. say or a little bit thinking, more about yes yeah, so or thinking that the odd little quirky things that we have that we own and have are distractions and don't belong or I don't know why I like that but that you know it just gets in the way and it distracts me and it's often the quirky little intersection of our deep curiosities that are that are the most important things so I'm it's a little bit like this conversation the fact that you're asking me questions that are not on the straight and narrow but maybe go kind of off the path and and get me into different parts of my brain where little locked secrets and stories are that give you insight to what interests me, that's, that's where I go with people. I want to discover, like, at your best, who are you? And mm-hmm. when you're at your best, I don't, it doesn't have to be at work and get at home. Is it with your child, with your family? Is it with your friends? When do you feel most like you? And what are you doing in those moments? That people have a hard time articulating that or even finding those moments. Um, and I think that's because of the negativity bias we have as humans. Uh, where the brain... As Rick Hansen, the neuropsychologist, says the brain is Teflon for positivity and Velcro for negativity. Hmm. And so the things we know that we're not good at, that we've been pushed down for before, that we've been criticized for, those tend to get locked into our brain and feel more significant to us because the emotions that are connected with those experiences are so much stronger and they're felt so much stronger in the body and locked into the body because we want to avoid feeling that again. But those tiny engines of positive emotions little they're so fleeting and they're so hard to hang on to that people have a hard time recalling joy and when they felt alive and connected and so 
I'm, keep, this, I'm listening to who I'm speaking to now. <laughs> you two don't have any problem with that, by the way. <laughs> okay. It's like acknowledging being really present in the moment about how this moment is so special and, and bringing it in and not just always being worry, worrying about the past or fretting the future is being here right now. What are you experiencing? Where are you feeling it in your body? What's joyous about it? And really taking that, those positive feelings in and integrating them into your experience as a human and making them part of the narrative that your life has so many wonderful moments and quality times. And there's so much that has gone well that people just can't seem to recall that very easily. They can tell you all the things that they think they should be working on. And most of the time they're stepping right over their potential because they're so focused on being a rosebush. And I find that distressing. And that hasn't changed in the decade or more that I've been coaching. And the people are obsessed with their weaknesses. And they think that fixing a weakness is their surest path to success. It isn't. It isn't. It will stop the flow if it may, you know, needs to be addressed. If you have a weakness that's preventing you from getting a result, yeah, you got to nip that thing in the bud for sure. But it's not where you're going to find your mastery. Mm. As athletes, you both know that. Yeah. <laughs> you're preaching our language. And this is one of the reasons why we just love having you in our lives and having you on the podcast today. I, I mean, I feel like we could go on for so long I, and we might need to actually have you come back and do Hutton 2.0 on how all of this relates to being a mom, because as you say all of this, I just think of your sweet son and how lucky he is. Um, yet, you know, of course, one of the things you shared was that he's also probably one of your greatest teachers and mm-hmm. that's pretty special. We are committed to wrapping this um, in 20 minutes so that you can listen to it on the treadmill or perhaps on your commute. And oh, our last question that we always ask is um, what's making your heartbeat faster. And we like answering it as well. So how about we kick it off with Matt and then we'll go to Hutton and I'll finish. Oh my gosh. Uh, what's making my heartbeat faster these days is um, plane travel, actually. Um, it feels like I am on an adventure this month. And by being in an airport, whether it be in Taipei or Edmonton, it just feels like the best. Yeah. What about you, Steph? No, Hutton's next. Oh, Hutton's next. Sorry. Well, you mentioned my son, and he is. I mean, watching my boy Odin figure out this world and how he fits into it and how I'm starting to, that he's starting to acknowledge his uniqueness <laughs> and his humor. I mean, I just cannot wait to get home at night so I can have a conversation with him and ask Amazing. him questions to let him tell me what is so with the world. It is ah. hilarious. He is hilarious. <laughs> he's the light of my life. He is the light of my life. When I'm having a bad moment, I just have to bring him into my mind and everything is better. Ah. I love that. Uh, All right, so Steph, precious. what's making your heartbeat faster? Uh, making my heartbeat faster. You know, I just got back from an adventure in New Zealand with my amazing husband who reminded me every day that this was the only day we had. And it just made for a true, I mean, to use your words, Hutton, a joyous a joyous adventure every single day, even when things went terribly, terribly wrong. I was driving on the wrong side of the street road he thought we were gonna die <laughs> green smoothie exploded and so I, oh I'm just so grateful for adventure and um and really happy to be home Vancouver's the best place in the world so uh Hutton Matt Corker thank you for your time and go forth and have an awesome day my friends 